Inshallah, we want to start off today's podcast with a reminder uh, about a question that many of us will be having very, very soon or we may already be having, and that is about Eid Salah, so the fiqh of Eid Salah. Uh, some of the questions we, we may have about Eid Salah, can we uh, pray in our homes? And so uh, we'll hear right now this reminder by Sheikh Abdurrahman Murad. Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa ashabih wa ala man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin ila yawmiddin wa ba'd. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Brothers and sisters, we'll be speaking on the performance of Eid at home. As no doubt, we had Ramadan in isolation. And insha'Allah, the guidelines that we'll discuss will guide you insha'Allah to doing that which is best. So we're living in exceptional times, no doubt. Uh, we've seen many things that we would not otherwise see. Performing jama'ah the way that we do today, for those of you who are praying in the masajid or have the chance to pray in the masajid, you'll find that there are sizable gaps between each musalli and the next. You as well have, subhanAllah, uh, the issue of wearing masks, face masks, during salah. Now, although this is inappropriate, yet we find people doing this. Why? And is this lawful? Well, we have a guideline. Sheikh Walid bin Rashid al-Sa'idah and Hafizullah mentioned this important guideline. And it pertains to all ibadah that are affected by COVID-19. It states, What is said during times of ease is unlike what would be said during times of difficulty, and hardship. This no doubt is derived from the guideline that dire needs would legalize the unlawful. Likewise, that a pressing need would be similar to a dire need. Yeah, and the difference here is that one is life and death and one doesn't reach that level but it's very difficult to deal with. So social distancing, not standing shoulder to shoulder, these are no doubt uh, issues that do come up but they will be dealt with in light of this. If we can say that social distancing would preserve life and protect one, then no doubt, alhamdulillah, it would fall under this guideline. You do the best that you can, and inshallah, you'll be rewarded on account of your effort that you've put forth. So now looking at the Eid Salah, brothers and sisters, what or how should one perform the prayer? Is Eid required during this time? Well, this takes us to one issue that I think is quite important. What is the ruling of Eid Salah in general? No doubt, this is an area of khilaf. You have, you know, differing opinions among the ulama. Uh, you have ulama who state that it's a wajib upon every individual. So everyone must perform the prayers. That's the Eid Salah. Then you have some ulama who would go a degree less saying that it is fardu kifaya. But if some do it, the rest would not be required to do it. And then you have the third opinion, which is held by many scholars, that it is sunnah mu'akkada and emphasized sunnah. I'm not going to go into the details of each of these opinions, but rather we should look at the Salatul Eid not being as a simple prayer that you can put aside and think of as being less important. This Salah is very important. And I would recommend everyone perform the prayer. Now the question does come up, how? Well, if you have a jama'ah in the masjid, as we said, many do already have, then you can pray with them, alhamdulillah. But if in the case, you, your city does not have a masjid that is performing the prayer, the question that will come up then is, can we perform the prayer 
uh, in our homes. Now, this is not, once again, an area of khilaf, anazila, which means an issue that was never discussed before. And uh, we do find some reference to this matter. This is indirect reference for those who, for example, were uh, for, forgot to perform the prayer. They slept in or they missed the prayer. The scholars discussed whether they can perform the prayers at home. The biggest evidence we have here is what Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anh did when he missed the prayer. He got his family together and they performed the prayer in their home. Uh, so this is the issue of performing the prayer at home, and I would recommend that everyone do this, alhamdulillah, to revive that sunnah, to keep it alive. And no doubt, praying at home with your family when you cannot perform prayer in the masjid would keep the spirit of Eid alive within our families, which is very important. So that said, the next question that does come up is, are we required to give a khutbah? The khutbah of Eid, as you know, is not a wajib, it is a sunnah. So in that sense, you're not required to perform or to give the khutbah, rather the prayer itself would suffice. That's why you find with Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anh, he did not uh, give a khutbah or ask the khutbah be given, then perform the prayer. Rather, the prayer was offered and that was it. So we can do the same as well. Uh, you're not required to give that khutbah. Now, brothers and sisters, uh, the next issue that uh, comes up, and this is quite important as well, is in terms of how to perform the Eid Salah. Now this is a Turaka'a Salah. You've all performed it many times, but now that you're doing it yourself, there are a few things you should keep in mind. First off, this Salah is like any other prayer. What distinguishes it is that you're making the extra takbir. If you happen to forget the extra takbir, then there's no problem. Continue with the prayer, your prayer is acceptable, alhamdulillah. If you've missed it out, this would not negate the reward of the prayer. So in essence, you'll be performing this prayer with the extra takbir, seven and five. Uh, if you add it, the scholars do indicate that this would then become eight for the first rak'ah and six for the second rak'ah. So what that means is that you would say Allahu Akbar takbiratul ihram and then follow it with seven takbir. And then afterwards, you recite al-Fatiha, then you can recite sabbihisma rabbika al-a'la. And you finish the prayer, that rak'ah, as you would normally finish a rak'ah in prayer. For the second rak'ah now, you get up, you would then say Allahu Akbar five times after that initial takbiratul intiqal. That's the takbirah you say from moving from one position to the next. So after that, you would follow with five takbir and then recite al-Fatiha and then hal ataka hadithul ghashiyah. In this way, your Eid prayer would be complete bi idnillahi ta'ala. Now, brothers and sisters, uh, the last thing that I want to add here is the important advice for the Eid. We should not allow this day to pass like any other day. And we should not mark it with sin as some might do, Allah al This is not a day to party and do haram and to get back to a lifestyle that is inappropriate. No. This is a time wherein we're to be thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for having enabled us to complete this month, the month of Ramadan, in spite of all the difficulties, all the challenges, the hardships that we faced, we're now at the very end. And for that we say, Alhamdulillah, so in essence, when you perform the Eid prayer and you show that you know gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a lawful way and you are, show that kindness to your family to give them that happiness, whatever that might be, giving them gifts to make them take them out for a drive, whatever the case be, alhamdulillah, whatever you can, whatever you're allowed to do, more or less in accordance with the guidelines, the health guidelines of your city, do it, take them out and really show them that good time for them to be 
you know, happy during this auspicious occasion. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless all of you and grant you khair in dunya and in the akhirah. Wa jazakumullahu khairan. Nizamakhir, I'd like to thank uh, Sheikh Abdurrahman Murad uh, for sharing with us uh, some guidance on the Eid Salah. Uh, it's coming up very, very soon. Alhamdulillah, this Ramadan has passed very quickly. Even during a pandemic, it seems like the month of Ramadan, especially at the end, the last 10 nights passes very, very quickly. We also find ourselves in an odd night. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept our dua and we should take advantage of this and make a lot of dua. We should uh, make a lot of salah and take advantage of this time of these moments, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, I want to share a story with you uh, about an incident that I experienced at a dry cleaners. So uh, this woman who owns the dry cleaner uh, she does her best to try to make a lot of small talk with her patrons. And I remember there was uh, in front of me uh, in line was a father and son. And uh, so she's trying to make small talk with this father and son. And so the son, you know, he's a young kid, maybe uh, eight, ten years old. And uh, she comments, what a polite young man and so the father he says yeah this is uh my son uh, he said oh your son how many children do you have uh, i have two kids uh, so uh, she asks him uh, are you going to have four <laughs> and so he looks at her with a very straight face just straight faced no and uh it was just an awkward silence after that. And uh, I was thinking to myself, like, how did she jump to four kids? You know, like she she skipped three. It's like three is not good enough. If you want to put up some decent numbers, uh, you know, show me when you could, you know, call me when you have four kids. Uh, or, uh, you know, maybe by the time you have your fourth, you'll get it right. You know, looking at this kid, you're so off. Uh, you know, right now, anything less, uh, you know, if it's not four, get out the door, right? This is a, an example of poor interpersonal uh, communication, okay? So this is an example of poor intercommunication. I was just thinking to myself, like, imagine if I came and I introduced my wife to this woman. She, I came up to her with my pants, with my asking for my dry clean pants and uh, she asked, oh, who is this? Oh, this is my wife. Oh, this is your wife. Very nice. Um, are you going to have four? You know, maybe that, that might cause some awkwardness. You know, you look over, you know, unless you're, I don't think so, unless you're, uh, never mind, you know, forget about this. Please just give me my pants. Stop getting me in trouble. Right. So uh, th that was a wrong way to use small talk to connect with people. Okay, uh, that's a, a poor example of uh, interpersonal communication. And uh, we, uh, we know the importance of interpersonal communication. So communicating with uh, different types of people uh, in the, uh, in, for example, the Dawah, 
we know that that can help with clearing misconceptions. We know that interpersonal intercommunication helps uh, clear up misconceptions. It helps remove misinformation. And generally speaking, actually good intercommunication helps with problem solving. So whether you're at the job place, whether it's in Dawa, whether it's in relationships, good intercommunication helps with uh, problem solving. Uh, and uh, there are many things that when you talk to uh, different experts, they will tell you why there's such a huge value in intercommunication. Uh, for example, you know, some of the things they refer to as trust, you know, when you're able to talk to somebody openly and honestly, then there is a level of trust when they are able to communicate with you without barriers. So, for example, if you are going to purchase something from a company that doesn't have a customer ser ser service department, doesn't have a complaint department, you would be unlikely to try to deal, do business with them, to deal with them because there is poor intercommunication there. Uh, again, similarly, um, in the DAWA, when uh, people are able to directly and openly communicate with you, uh, with uh, we, we look at some of the ayat in the Quran, where the prophets, they will say that we don't want any money from you for this communication, for this message. And they're open about that. And they say that we want to give you this uh, this message mubin, in a clear concise way then uh, that fosters trust between the two parties that are communicating okay it indicates that uh, when you have this open and honest communication the ones there to harm you uh, there is an alignment that's brought within uh, society okay so uh, whether that's again on a societal level on an individual level or a team level when you're able to communicate, you're able to align people with on goals. If you have a certain goal, then you can align people upon that when you're able to have this open line of communication or else uh, you might have uh, people who assume different things, right? So uh, without that good intercommunication, that's where uh, the uh, opposite of that would be this, uh, this uh, assumption. You're isolated and you're having to assume what the other person is intending on doing and so forth okay so again uh communication huge we understand that I, I think i don't think anybody can dispute that to be successful on a relationship level to be successful in a business level to be successful on a dawa level you need good inter uh, communication skills and there are so many uh you know funny stories i can give you in regards to that just to elucidate my point uh, another example is i remember back in the younger days i was with a brother you know he's a little bit more of a hardcore brother like you know uh, he tries to wear, you know, thobes, and it's it's fine. It's not necessarily I want to characterize people as being hardcore if they like to wear thobes all the time uh, when they're in public. But, you, you know, this brother was a, a little bit more uh, serious, you could say. That's a better word to say. So he was a little bit more of a serious brother. We're at a restaurant, and it's always nice to see communication between, like, polar opposite personalities. And so... Uh, you know, many of the waitresses that work at restaurants, they have a bubbly personality. They try to engage people. Uh, it's part of the service industry to be able to communicate with people effectively and try to, you know, be friendly, engaging and so forth. So, um, you know, this uh, waitress uh, comes up. Uh, we're sitting at the table, tries to make small talk with this brother. It's like, uh, 
you know, how how do you like this? What you know, how are you liking the weather? And it was the time of fall. So, and then she just starts saying, you know, I love fall. You know, I love it when the leaves they change color. You know, Starbucks has the pumpkin spice latte, and I love that. You know, and so the brother, uh, he's just straight faced the whole time, and he's like, I love winter. And then she's like, "Oh, really? You like winter? Is it you know because you're you like to snowboard or you know you like those outdoor winter activities?" And he's like, "No." She's like, "Oh, why?" It's because that's when fall ends. And so <laughs> there's this silence afterwards. And um, I'm happy to report that they are now married and they have uh, six kids. Uh, no, actually, I'm joking. That's not how that story ends. Uh, that story ends with an awkward silence. So again, a uh, example of poor intercommunication skills. Okay. Now, oftentimes uh, people they value interpersonal skills. Uh, so between people, but they're not uh, very aware, or they don't understand the importance of intrapersonal communication. So intra, so before we talked about interpersonal communication, but uh, we need today actually, the focus of today's podcast slash halaqa is to talk about the importance of intrapersonal communication uh, as from an Islamic perspective, especially. So how would we define intrapersonal communication? Well, uh, it's the communication that you have within yourself. It's uh, your thinking, uh, how you feel about things, how you talk to yourself, like that inner voice that you have, that inner speech that you have during waking hours. And uh, it's important in terms of developing your idea of self-concept, your idea of self, your identity. Uh, being able to interpret the ideas that you see in the world around you or the communication that you engage with in the world around you in a positive way. Uh, you could say it's the art of thinking. So to extrapolate deeper concepts. So we know that knowledge is to know something, okay? Uh, or to know maybe perhaps what is right and what is correct. But wisdom is to know uh, when and where to apply that knowledge. So you could say that it's like this art of deeper thinking and as a result, better intercommunication results. So with better intra-communication with yourself, better intercommunication results. And Abraham Lincoln was very fam famous uh, for quoting that when I'm getting ready to reason with a person, then I spend one third of the time thinking about myself and what I am going to say and two thirds of the time and thinking about what he is going to say. So uh, having this strong inner voice within yourself helps you uh, better deal with emotional stress. So if you are in a distressful situation and you are by yourself, can you talk yourself through that stressful situation? So if we turn to the, to the example of Yunus at ASM, who was in an ultimate stressful situation, swallowed by a whale uh, in the depthness of the sea, in the darkness of the night. And uh, what does he do? He talks himself through this situation. 
Think about the dua that he has. La ilaha illa and he's connecting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knowing that only Allah is the one that can deliver him from that dire situation. And then he says, um, uh, Subhanaka, he praises Allah and he says, Inni kuntu mean that verily I have been amongst the wrongdoers. So look at this and, I, and I, I can refer back to this later on and then we'll get a more and more of an appreciation how this uh, this uh, voice of this internal voice of Yunus alayhi salam, this this ability for him to talk to himself, and this could also be uh, you you able to verbalize your thoughts just to yourself. So inner communication doesn't uh, intra communication doesn't necessarily need to be silent. Okay, so you can actually be speaking to yourself as you're trying to think through things, and that's why books are actually a really good way of. Um, uh, of fostering that, you know, uh, b books are uh, a way because oftentimes if you just read an article or a post or, so, you know, some social media posts or whatever, you're actually just being hit with a person's opinion, but you don't necessarily have uh, the chance or the opportunity to develop that inner voice or to read through a subject and really think about it and contemplate about it or have that idea develop, right, as you're as you're reading it. Okay, so um, you know when when we see the fact that people uh, read less books, or the fact that people have a lot of this external stimuli all the time, uh, where they don't allow that internal voice uh, to be heard within themselves, or to be like have a have a strengthened position, okay, uh, as opposed to what they hear externally. So a person might be hearing music all the time. You don't hear your thoughts at that time. You don't have a chance to think deeply about things when you're hearing music or when you're uh, watching uh, movies or when you're reading some uh, posts. It's like you're getting these uh, ideas uh, and what somebody else has to say and your own inner voice gets drowned out. And that's why people have a really uh, tough time describing their experiential reality okay or even their existence they have a tough time doing that and um and a lot of times people they don't have a sense of uh peace okay but intra-communication uh now for, as we transition to start talking about it from a dean perspective an islamic perspective we understand that uh our connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us that peace and our ability to have this uh, intra-communication. So these thoughts about Allah, about the uh, ayat of Quran, for example, that uh, that strengthens that inner voice. Okay, so it gives us that peaceful voice. So that's different. Having that sense of inner peace is different than sleeping, for example. It's different than just uh, relaxing and that's why for example people can have a tough time being alone uh, they can they might be quiet or they might on the outset look very very peaceful or they might look in a relaxed state but there isn't that peace because their inner voice is in chaos some people could be sitting there and they seem like they're in peace but there is a chaos with their in their in their inner voice they have a lot of questions, they have a lot of confusion in their life, and uh, that inner voice doesn't have a direction 
in in order to turn to. It doesn't have a direction to turn to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Okay. So as I mentioned, the Quran, or as I mentioned, generally speaking, the books books have a great way of helping you develop this inner voice, uh, this intra communication, a positive intra communication, and the Quran is the ultimate example of that, because the Quran is an example of intercommunication between the creator and his servant. And then uh, it is uh, that intercommunication that then cascades into intracommunication. So a communication within a human being, okay? Uh, that, uh, that is very, very beneficial in developing that inner voice. So for example, in uh, chapter 38, ayah 29 in the Quran, so Surah Al-Sa'd, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala says, this is the book, the Quran, which we have sent down to you, full of blessing that they may ponder over its verses and that men of understanding may remember. So this uh, fosters this, uh, this reflection, this thinking, this pondering, and uh, it, it increases your fiqh, it understands, it increases your uh, understanding, okay, of yourself, the world around you, the issues that you may face. And we're going to discuss more about this, inshallah, very soon, uh, but just put a pin in that for now. Uh, we're going to discuss about how Qur'an uh, helps you with that inner voice or helps you with that intracommunication so that uh, those uh, healthy thought processes that we should have so uh, when we look at intracommunication communication uh, uh, in another dimension as well from an islamic perspective so within yourself there is uh, a balance that takes place there is uh, an interplay that takes place so to speak between your mind uh, your heart and your nafs so there's this interplay that that happens okay so for example your mind this uh this um organ within yourself or the component within yourself that uh is uh connected with your senses that are able to see and interact with the material world with the physical world okay so your mind it processes okay what I see what I touch what I feel what I feel what I'm so what I'm feeling what I'm smelling uh, what I'm tasting so all of these di different things so essentially your 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 senses and um, uh, it has the ability to make certain decisions okay so for example uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala uh, he says that he would grab uh, Abu Jahl, by a lying sinful forelock. So he'll grab him by his lying sinful forelock. So the Quran over 1400 years ago talked about the forebrain and how uh, it is uh, going to be uh, grabbed. Now, we understand now by science today just a little bit about the creation. And we understand that that's where a lot of decisions, those are where decisions are made. So those are where your morals and decisions are, are made. So if you are going to lie, then that is going to be activated. The four 
brain is the component of the brain that would be activated. So um, you have your mind, okay? Your mind, which a lot of times will be based in uh, logic and uh, reasoning and uh, is wired or connected to uh, the external material uh, senses, okay? Now, uh, the uh, the other part of it, the qalb, the heart, uh, it uh, is not logic-based, okay? The heart is not logic-based, but it has a level of understanding, okay? And the heart is connected to the unseen, the ghaib. Your heart is connected to the unseen. And uh, and the heart, uh, uh, it instills in you uh, the ability to make non, you could say, analytical and rational decisions. So, for example, a company will make a decision on its employees where they won't care about the well-being of the employees, perhaps, if they can get away with it giving substandard working conditions, cutting their pay, doing whatever they can to increase their bottom dollar, uh, they'll perhaps do it. And you would say to them, what a heartless company. You're such a heartless monster. So they're making a decision that if you were to maybe put it to some type of analytical computer program would make the best business sense. But then people will say, this is not right. How, why would you say, why would human beings say to moral things that that is not right? Why would a, a human being say, oh, look at how praiseworthy that is that that mother and father sacrifice themselves for their child? It doesn't, it doesn't make uh, sense on a logical and a rational level that you would sacrifice your existence for somebody else, okay? Or that would be praised within society. That's something from the heart. That is something that is not rational. Uh, the heart is connected uh, to something that is more than what the eyes can see. So, for example, Surah Al-Hajj, so chapter 22, uh, ayah 46 in the Quran, Allah says, Have they not traveled through the land? And have they hearts wherewith to understand and ears with which to hear? Verily, it is not the eyes that grow blind, but is it is the hearts that are in the breast that go blind. So in this ayah in the Quran, Allah SWT is telling us that uh, when you're traveling through the land, we need to, there's this, there's a reflection that needs to take place. And, and, and there's many ayat in the Quran actually that tell us to do this, reflect upon these people that existed before you and what was their end. And if these people were disobedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then uh, what was the deeper meaning behind their end? And only the heart can see that. Only the heart can see that. Because guess what? If you just look at your if you just look at it from a logical, rational perspective, oh, that society ended because of uh, a drought, poor vegetation, uh, there was political factors. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, uh, and, and that's why me, that's how maybe you could explain the pandemic now. Just look at it from a rational perspective. Oh, uh, diseases and viruses are mutating and all these different things. But you're still, Allah SWT is saying that that person is blind. Even though 
their senses might physically be still operating. You know, you take an eye test, there is no difference between, uh, you know, uh, th that person uh, and, uh, and anybody else. Or you can see, hey, this person who has an eye test uh, can pass it and this person who is blind does not pass the eye test. So this person can see. No, actually, that person who you say that passed the eye test, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying they're blind, but in a different way. Okay, so your heart, your heart has uh, has uh, has a voice in this uh, interplay or is part of this interplay in this inner uh, uh, voice that you have. This intra communication and your nafs, your nafs. So, for example, uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tells us in uh, uh, chapter five, ayah thirty in the Quran, so Surah Al-Maida. So the nafs, so this is in regards to the two children of Adam, alayhi salam. So the nafs, of the, the self of the other, uh, encouraged him and made fear seeming to him the murder of his brother. And he, uh, he murdered him and became one of the lo losers. So this interplay that he had with him, within himself, his nafs made it fair seeming. And so uh, your nafs can be, you could say, within uh, or uh, or it, it can uh, be within three states. That's probably the best way to uh, to illustrate it. So it can be within three states. For so for most of us that uh, that are Muslim. Your nafs is in a struggle. Okay, so nafs al lawama. Okay, as mentioned in Surah Al Qiyamah, Ayah, so chapter 75, Ayah 2. So it's a self reproaching soul. This, this nafs that uh, may uh, do some haram, it repents, it sins, it, and, but it's still trying to connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It does good deeds, so it's in this uh, struggling state. Okay. Uh, the uh, the nafs that's um, a righteous nafs that's satisfied a pious nafs is nafs mutma'inna. Okay, mutma'inna, uh, as mentioned in Surah Al-Fajr, so chapter eighty-nine, ayah twenty-seven. And then uh, the nafs that is a sinning nafs. Okay, so a sinning soul, amara bissu. Okay, as mentioned in chapter twelve. Ayah 53 uh, in the Quran. Now, all of these things, so your your mind, your heart, your nafs, there's this interplay that occurs between them. And our goal is to have our inner voice strengthened through Iman. Okay, so Iman strengthened intracommunication. So ISI, if you will. Okay, so Iman strengthened intracommunication. That's that's what you want to uh, try to uh, develop. Okay, so your thoughts, your feelings, your mind, the way that you process things, your natural disposition uh, from your nafs becomes in line uh, in alignment with what is pleasing to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So what we feel. Is this is going to be the most a successful outcome of an individual is when the creator is in line with the guidance, the hadaya of the creator. So now let's uh, turn to a source 
that can help us do this. And that is the Quran, as we had discussed earlier. So what is the Quran's role now in developing Iman strengthened uh, intracommunication or that Iman strengthened inner voice? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he tells us in Surah An-Naml, Ayah 20, or chapter 27, the first ayah, says that uh, there, these are the verses of the Qur'an, and it is a book that makes things clear. In another ayah in the Qur'an, in Surah Al-An'am, chapter 6, ayah 38 in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, there is not a moving living creature on earth nor a bird that flies with its two wings but our communities like you we have neglected nothing in the book then unto their lord they all shall be gathered so i want you to think about and reflect what is some of the uncertainty that uh you feel within yourself so what are the things that you have anxiety about what are the things that you are confused about and people are confused and people are anxious and people struggle to know how do I interpret uh, these situations that I encounter in the world around me? How do I deal with this blessing? How do I deal with this calamity? How do I deal with the decisions that I'm faced with? And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us for those people who are wondering and thinking within themselves that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the answers for them, okay? And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not neglected anything in the Qur'an and it is clear in the Qur'an. And oftentimes I'll have people talk to me in a state where they are suffering from anxiety, They're, they are suffering from inner turmoil. They have this inner struggle within themselves about, uh, you know, and these thoughts that uh, they don't know what to do with. They don't know. And when we uh, neglect this powerful, this powerful resource that is right in front of us, and we can't connect to it on a regular basis and understand that this is a guidance for you to develop clarity, a, a direction perhaps in the fog that you have within yourself. That there is a, a, a there is a path uh, through that. Okay. So, uh, what is some of the methodology that the Quran uses for you to develop a strong? inner voice and if you have a strong inner voice guaranteed you're going to have a strong outer voice you will have a strong outer voice if you have a strong inner voice muslims in our history who had a strong inner voice a strong sense of self they were able to show that they were able to make that uh influence on the world, external world uh, around them. So the what? How, how does the Quran get you to develop this strong inner voice? So firstly, through uh, reflection, okay? So by reflecting, uh, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in many ayat in the Quran, many verses in the Quran, tafakkar, uh, tadabbar, to make this reflection, okay? Uh, and, um, 
and to think about uh, the creation, to think about uh, yourself. Okay, so uh, so for example, uh, in Surah Al Luqman, Ayah 20, Allah Subhanahu wa says, "See you not, O men, that Allah has subjected for you what uh, whatsoever is in the heavens and whatsoever is in the earth, and has completed and perfected His graces upon you." Okay, so Allah Subhanahu wa here is telling you like um, here. Like telling you to reflect, don't you notice, aren't you thinking about how Allah has made the whole world as a service for humanity's existence? The whole universe actually, the whole universe at service, even now like we, like the sun is for our service. Uh, the land, the sea, the oceans, the animals. We have all utilized this uh, for the servants of our own existence. Okay, and so Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is um, is telling us to reflect upon that. And so now, a person who's reflecting upon this and sees, "Hey, this whole world, this this is a ni'mah, this is a blessing for me." And then now, how do I appreciate this blessing? How do I um, preserve this blessing? Are there any responsibilities that I now have in regards to this blessing? Okay. And then uh, and the, the, the last part of this ayah, Allah SWT, this is yet of mankind is he who disputes about Allah without knowledge or guidance or a book giving light. Like this ayah, like I'm, I, I actually just went from the beginning to the end of this ayah. But this ayah is a very, very heavy ayah. This is a very heavy uh, verse in the Quran that tells us to reflect. It tells us. Uh, to look at the world around us, how we, you know, a guidance of how we should interpret the world around us. We don't have to now within ourselves be devoid or or be lost in terms of uh, like discovering our existence or trying to uh, figure out uh, how we came to existence in the whole place and what does this all mean and all of these other things. This is a book that's giving you light. This is a book that's giving you guidance. You know, connect with that on a regular basis. That should be part of your inner voice all the time, every day, especially when we are supposed to be engaged in salah five times a day. That five times a day, remember that salah is for us. It is not, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not in need of your prayer. We are in need of that. A person is truly connecting in their salah. A person who is truly connecting in their prayer five times a day should be developing such a strong iman base, iman strengthened inner voice. Because there is a uh, there is a reminder. There are things that are being said that our soul is yearning for, that our mind is yearning for, that our heart is yearning for. Okay. Uh, another methodology that the Quran uses to do that is for you is to ask you a question. The Quran asks you questions so that you can ask that question within yourself and you can think about that question. So, for example, uh, many of the questions, they're actually rhetorical questions in the Quran, but that rhetorical question instigates uh, or initiates some further thinking that should occur. 
and sometimes questions asking things into the or telling you something in a form of a question is far more powerful because it causes that intra communication to occur. When you tell something to somebody may not be as powerful for that individual as asking that person a question, because when you ask that person a question, it causes that mechanism to occur of that dialogue. It initiates that dialogue, that internal dialogue within a person. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he asks a question because oftentimes uh, Muslims, before I get to this, uh, I in the Quran, Muslims will often question their deen or they'll, uh, they'll uh, be uncertain. There'll be a level of uncertainty in regards to uh, practicing righteousness in perhaps environments that are opposed to that or a culture that's opposed to that. And it can be sometimes very, very disheartening to see those who are the most immoral being the most uh, materially rewarded in society. And sometimes these people have the greatest reputation. So we cannot ignore that that has an effect on the, psych the psychology of many, many Muslims. That has a tremendous effect on many Muslims that they see day in and day out people who are sinning, people who are cheating, uh, people who are immoral on so many different levels being rewarded, okay, uh, for, uh, for their immorality, okay. And you know, Muslims can falter in their deen because of that, because of all these thoughts that go into their head. So now, if a Muslim who is having these thoughts, who is having the these doubts about staying committed to the path of the Surat al-Mustaqim, comes to the ayah in the Quran, where your Creator, your Lord, says, "Shall we treat those who believe in Allah?" And do righteous good deeds as Mufsidun on earth. So the ones that are associating partners, the ones that are sinning. Or shall we treat the Muttaqun as the Fujjar, the criminals and disbelievers, the wicked. So Allah is asking, or shall we treat your Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth, shall we treat the muttaqi, the same as the fajr. The, should we treat the one who has taqwa the same as the criminal? Should we treat the one who is the believer the same as the disbeliever? Is good the same as evil? For uh, somebody who rejects iman, uh, maybe somebody who's a nihilist, uh, they'll say, yeah, it's all the same. It's all, there's no such thing as morality. Everything's the same. Whether it's good or bad, it's everything is the same. But Allah is asking you, should we do that? Like, do we do that? And uh, like, uh, do you treat a person who treats you good the same as the one you treat bad? Although that person who treats you bad may be very, very successful materially, maybe very much, maybe much more wealthier than the one that treats you good. But are you going to have the same feeling about those two people? 
those two different types of people, the one who treats you well and the, uh, the person uh, who, uh, who treats you very, very badly? Are you going to have the same feeling? Definitely not. We don't do that in society. We don't do that in our justice system. Okay, the one who is a law-abiding citizen should not be treated as the one who is a criminal. Correct. So this question, that, that this would be a, this is a very very powerful question, a very very powerful um, stimulation of that dialogue that should occur within the self. Of no, it's not the same. It is not the same. Allah will not treat them in the same way. No matter what I see, because again, if you look at it from just a rational analytic, analytical perspective, oh no, like this is the path. If everyone's making money through this particular path, who cares if I have to compromise my self-respect, my self-dignity. And, you know, like we're on a platform, YouTube, we see that all the time. People are compromising their dignity all the time for views, for followers, uh, for subscriptions. But this is not the same. Having that is not going to be the same uh, as a person who uh, our gauge is that person's level of integrity, uh, that person's uh, level of obedience uh, and submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it helps us guide, the Qur'an helps this inner voice guide our emotions, okay? So it helps guide our emotions. And uh, when you look at, uh, for example, chapter 35, ayah 18 in the Qur'an, so uh, sort of the father ayah 18, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, You, Muhammad sallallahu can warn only those who fear their Lord unseen and perform as-salah and who purifies himself and he who purifies for the benefit of it, he who purifies himself does it for the benefit of his own self. And to Allah is the final return. So uh, here, we are, this is this is actually uh, Quran guiding our emotional state because that fear and anxiety that we have within us that is common to all human beings: fear, anxiety, but the fear that we need to direct ourselves toward is to have a fear and awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because if you have a fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that completely extinguishes the fear that you'll have of so many other things in your life. So fearing uh, a tyrant, fearing your rizq, fearing a disease, because you know that to Allah is your final return. You know Allah is the one that gives you your rizq. You know that with Allah is the truth. Uh, and you know, and you're reminding yourself of this on a regular basis, uh, and you're connecting with action. It's not just uh, philosophy in your head. It's not just thoughts, random thoughts in your head that it doesn't manifest itself in a reality. There's no uh, existential reality of these thoughts. No, you're doing it. They fear Allah. So they have these thoughts within themselves that if anything should be feared, it should be the one who created everything. The one who has power over everything. That is the only one that should be feared. And then you see an existent, uh, existential reality of that. And I am submitting myself five times a day in salah to the one that I fear the most. The fear of Allah. 
And so by doing this, you're purifying yourself. You're actually also purifying yourself of anxiety and false fears and harmful emotions. You're purifying yourself uh, of your, uh, uh, for your, for your, uh, uh, from within yourself of those things. And you're strengthening, you're giving a healthier state to that inner voice. Okay. Now, what are some of the things that we think about? Okay, so like, uh, let's let's talk about this in a general way. So we we think about uh, the future. So right, we think about what will happen in the future, and there can be a lot of thoughts that happen within yourself, and a lot of uncertainty that can happen uh, in regards to thinking about the future. Does the Quran talk about the future of you as an individual and of humanity? Yes. What are some of the things we think about? We think about our family. We think, uh, if you're parents, you think about your kids. You think about your spouse. You, th you think about your parents. These are all things you think about that can really uh, take a lot of space within your inner voice, inner thoughts. The Quran talks about that. Uh, my purpose, where do I come from? This is uh, a burning question that people throughout the ages have had. Where do I come from? What is my purpose? These, this is major thoughts that occur uh, within within people and can cause tremendous amounts of uncertainty. And the Quran speaks about that. Who is Allah? Okay, I have a creator. I feel deep down inside. I have a creator. Who is Allah? And how do I get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How do I deal with the struggle that I have in my life? How do I deal with all these struggles that I have in my life? Okay. The Quran talks about struggle. It it's strengthening. It's the most healthiest way for you to have uh, this strong inner voice, this iman uh, strengthened uh, intercommunication within yourself. This healthy communication uh, within your, because it can be unhealthy. We remember, remember we when we gave those funny examples about intercommunication and how that intercommunication there can be unhealthy intercommunication there's not a po positive outcome of that communicate well if you don't have that positive intra communication within yourself you'll have uh very very unhealthy outcomes you you think people just commit suicide by not thinking about it they think a lot about uh, uh about ending their life that is i would say one of uh the the worst things that can happen with unhealthy uh, intra communication. Okay, so this iman strengthened uh, intra communication. The product of that are healthier outcomes, or healthy outcomes. So uh, I'm going to give an example of uh, to kind of tie everything together from a few ayat in uh, Surah Al Fusilat, so chapter 41 to uh, 44. Uh, in the Quran, uh, so uh, Allah says, and if we had sent this 
so uh, this particular IS44, I'm going to go IF44, 46, and 49 to 50. So uh, this particular IF44 says, and if we had sent this as a Quran in a foreign language other than Arabic, they would have said, why are not its verses explained in detail in our language? What a book, not in Arabic, and the messenger and Arab say it is for those who believe a guide and a healing. And as for those who disbelieve, there is a heaviness, deafness in their ears, and it, it the Quran is a blindness for them. And they are those who are called from a place far away, so they neither listen or understand. So this ayah in the Quran, uh, again, it's connecting. This is a book, okay? That of course it's in Arabic. If a person like, oh, like uh, why isn't this not in uh, in English? Why is this book not in French? Well, your messenger was an Arab. It makes no sense, okay, for that. And then there's many also linguistic reasons why and miracles, linguistic miracles and deep meanings uh, for that. But we won't go into that now. But uh, it, it answers uh, a question that many people actually have had about the Quran. So it breaks through that. See, Allah SWT already knows what you may be thinking, what you could be thinking. <coughs> so it says it is for those uh, who believe a guide and a healing. So this is a very important part of this ayah. It is a guide in healing for those who believe. So there needs to be positive intercommunication to take place first before you can benefit from the intracommunication, the positive effect of intracommunication of the Quran. Okay, a guide and a healing. So a guide for all those thoughts that you have, a healing for all those anxieties that you have. You need to believe first. That's on you. I have a message. I need to give you a message of how you can escape this building that's on fire. And I refuse to listen to that person who's coming to try to save my life. That's on me. The Quran has been is being presented to you. And so it is upon you now. So you can have one way communication and, and say, OK, just because I talk to this person, they're listening, they're accepting what I'm saying. No, I can talk to that person. I can come with that with some very hard truths to that person. I can come with a medicine. I can hold the medicine right in front of you. But if you don't take that medicine, if you don't take that antidote, it will do nothing for you. That is on you. That is your decision. That is upon you. It's like now they say, okay, what if we have the vaccine uh, for the, you know, for the uh, virus? Uh, would you take it? Oh, no, I'm not taking it. So well, this, it's on that person that they die from that virus. That is their decision. I chose not to take uh, this, whatever. Okay. Uh, so uh, anyhow. Uh, in uh, chapter, uh, oh, sorry, and then in, in the verse 46, I have 46. And so whoever does righteous good deeds, it is for the benefit of his own self. And whoever does evil, it is against his own self. And your Lord is not all unjust to his slaves. So, for example, uh, when you uh, speak with uh, many atheists, uh, when w with uh, many people who have uh a, uh, you could say a non-traditional view of religion, so they may believe in some type of spirituality. But when you, what, one of the ways that they try to critique the concept of God is they say, okay, why, 
does God need our deeds? Is he all powerful? Is he's devoid, or shouldn't he be free of of uh, of any of these worships? Yes, we believe. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala already tells us. Allah already knew you were going to be thinking this. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is al ghani. He is he is free from all wants. Okay, he he's free from all things that you could provide for Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. You do good for your own for your own self. This is, we need to have this dialogue, this thought about ourselves. Every single act of worship, every single act of obedience, we have to appreciate that it is for the goodness of our own self. Okay, uh, this is what we need to be communicating with our nafs. If our nafs says to us, intercommunication. If our nafs says to us, you know, go ahead, do this haram. Go ahead. Look over there. I know it's haram. Look over there. Oh, go ahead. Eat from this haram. Oh, go ahead. Take from this haram. And it's easy and it might feel good. But you, you, when, you when you're having these uh, internal dialogue within yourself, you're like, this is not good for me. How do you know that's not good for you? Because I have been given this knowledge from Allah SWT. And my heart is not blind to the ayat of the Quran. My heart is not blind to the ghayb. Alladheena yu'minuna bil ghayb. The muttaqeen, they believe in the ghayb. They believe in the unseen. Okay. Uh, and then um, uh, uh, chapter, or sorry, uh, uh, verse 49, 50. Uh, man, the disbeliever does not get tired of asking good things from Allah, but if an evil touches him, then he gives up all hope and is lost in despair. So remember when we talked about struggle, dealing with struggle? Uh, remember when we spoke about how you can sometimes become overwhelmed with anxiety and negative and evil thoughts within yourself? And so... Allah talks about the nature of human beings. That man does not get tired of asking good things uh, from Allah. You want you want good things. Oh, that 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 whole um, uh, that uh, trend that happened uh, a few years ago with the secret. Okay, so this is this was something that was touted by Oprah or oh, the secret. Uh, this book, if you want something, as in a nutshell, if you want something good, you want the universe, you need to will the universe to give you good things. Okay, so that's uh, that's it in a nutshell. I just saved you like uh, probably, I don't know, $35 if you're going to buy the book and, uh, uh, you know, a whole bunch of uh, time in your life. Okay, so uh, you, man does not get, so the person who does not have this iman, uh, strengthened inner voice. They want good things all the time and they get into despair when evil touches them. As soon as evil touches you, you become despair. You become lost. Uh, you you go into a state of depression, perhaps. As soon as a little bit of uh, evil, calamity, uh, trials, tribulations, anything harmful touches you, oh man, why? Why do I have to go through this stress? Why me? Okay, and this is different than the understanding of Ayub salam. Think about the intercommunication Ayub alayhi salam had about, uh, within himself. 
that no, Allah bless me for so long. If I'm going through this disease, if I'm going through this leprosy, Job didn't start blaming the world. Job did not start having negative thoughts about Allah. Ayyub was more grateful at that time. Ayyub made had so much etiquette when he made supplication to Allah. If you think it is better for me, then remove this from me. If you if it's better for me, then remove it. Allah with Allah is all knowledge. It uh, look at the intracommunication with Ayyub when physically he's deteriorating, when his wealth is gone, his family is gone. Think about how powerful that intracommunication was because it was based, it was strengthened with Iman, it was based in Iman. And then that uh, the, the ayah after this in Surah Fusulat, and truly if we give him a taste of mercy from us after some adversity, such as perhaps a pandemic, maybe perhaps some some poverty, some very uh, strenuous economic conditions. So after some adversity has touched him, he is sure to say, this is for me due to my merit. I think not that the hour will be established, but if I am brought back to my Lord, surely there will be for me the best wealth with him, then verily, uh, we'll, uh, we verily will show to the disbelievers what they have done and we shall make them taste a severe torment. Okay. So as soon as they're delivered from this adversity, maybe you had people calling out to God. They had loved ones. They never called out to God before. They never called out to Allah. They're turning to Allah. They're making a dua. They're giving charity. They're trying to be a good person because they're so helpless. They're going through this adversity. And as soon as Allah delivers them from this adversity they are so quick to forget they are so uh, quick to forget now uh what effect when we reflect upon these ayat in the quran what effect is does this have this strong this iman a strengthened uh, inner voice well allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in surah al-anbiya ayah 2110 that we have sent down for you, O mankind, a book, a Qur'an. Uh, the, the, uh, the word here is dhikrukum is used is not only a reminder, but for your honor. So we have sent this Qur'an for you, for your honor, for your well-being. This Qur'an is there for your well-being. Okay. There's a... Um, there's a weak hadith I'm going to narrate to you and then I'm going to talk just to give a point and then there's another hadith that I'll mention after it that strengthens uh, that point because so that way we don't have to rely so much on, on the weak hadith. But I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning the weak hadith just to give this point uh, that Rasulullah said, so this is a weak hadith. Uh, this is in the Sunan of Abu Dawud, but it's uh, uh, Rasulullah says uh, that um, uh, that he used to uh, seek uh, protection from with Allah from uh, cowardliness, uh, miserliness, okay, so being cheap, okay, so don't be cheap, especially during Ramadan, all right, give for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, okay, uh, evils of old age, evil thoughts, 
uh, and uh, punishment in the grave. So the one that I wanted to concentrate here on is evil thoughts. Okay, so evil thoughts we know is a bad, is a destructive thing. Okay, harmful, negative, unhealthy thoughts. Uh, but now we have another hadith, which is a Sahih hadith. It's in Bukhari. It says Rasulullah uh, said that Allah has forgiven my followers the evil thoughts that occur in their minds. Okay, uh, as long as those thoughts aren't put into action or uttered. Okay, so we know then by this by the virtue of this hadith that evil thoughts aren't good to have. Simply speaking, it's not good to have those evil thoughts. But if you have those evil thoughts, as long as you don't act upon them, as long as you don't see it manifest in an existential reality. Okay, so. Uh, as we talked about before, we want Iman-based emotions to manifest in an exist existential reality. So we want it to manifest on our limbs, in our tongues, with our dhikr. So as long as you don't utter those evil thoughts, you don't see a manifestation of that within the outer world, okay, that can be communicated with others, then, um, then that's fine. Okay, then you don't get a sin for that. But evil thoughts in general are not a good thing to have, that we don't like those evil thoughts. Okay, so we understand that it is uh, harmful uh, for that. Okay, so uh, what is, uh, now how do we save ourselves from that? Okay, so how do we save ourselves from that? So we said, okay, this is the metho methodology that uh, the Quran gives us so that we can have this Iman strengthened, uh, strong inner voice within ourselves, okay? And so uh, there's a beautiful hadith that uh, uh, encompasses that. Uh, uh, Rasul Sallallahu says narrated by Abu Hurairah, uh, he says that, that indeed having good thoughts concerning Allah is from the perfection of the worship of Allah. That's a deep man. If, you, if you've been paying attention to this podcast, this hadith is deep. This hadith is so deep. If you've been paying attention, the importance. See, like our ibadat, and I've been touting this from the beginning of Ramadan. It has to be more than what you see in your actions. It has to be more than what you see. Oh, wow, what a good Muslim. I see that. I hear that all the time. A person say, oh, wow, what a good Muslim beard. You know, sister's got a hijab. Like, oh, what a good Muslim. See him at the masjid. It's just outer surface. All this outer surface, which should be a reflection. If you have a good inner surface, you're going to see that on the outside. Okay. Uh, a, a person who has, you know, a... Uh, a poor diet, you're going to see that on the outside, okay? A person that has a, a good diet, right? You're going to see that on the outside, okay? So uh, part of that perfection of worship of Allah is to have good thoughts about Allah. So what is this intra-communication that is happening about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That means there's a few things that are happening here. That intra-communication about Allah is frequent. That... Uh, intra-communication about Allah is based upon what Allah has guided us to know about Him in the Quran and the Sunnah, okay? And that the that intra-communication is positive. It's an alignment here with your nafs, with your qalb, and with your mind. There's a positive alignment that's happening with your thoughts about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, okay? In another hadith, uh, Allah, he, he says that uh, I live uh, in the thought of my servant as he thinks of me and, and uh, with him as he calls me. Okay. And in another hadith, uh, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says that if, if he re remembers me 
uh, in himself, uh, I will remember him in myself. So the remembrance of your Lord, of your creator within yourself, okay, has a significant impact on your worldview. And not only does it have a significant impact on your worldview, the way that you're thinking about Allah, that now is reflected on how Allah thinks about you. This this, this is very, very powerful. When we start thinking about this on, on, on a level where we can actually take the time to reflect upon this. The one who created this heart if I attach it to material things, then there's a reflection to that. There's a reflection that happens. So anything that I attach my heart to, okay, that's material, we know that there's only so much that that can do for me. So I attach my heart to a, another human being, for example. That human being can leave me. That human being can disappoint me. There's a reflection that occurs of how satisfied I can be within my heart. Uh, I love uh, a a food. Once I have that food, you know, if I have it too much, maybe I'll get tired of it. That food can spoil. Uh, that food can give me food poisoning. It may not always uh, be that satisfaction for me. So anything materially. I look at that I love with my heart, like this is what I'm thinking about, that this is what gives me my ultimate love, the ultimate thing that I'm trying to connect with. I have to see, okay, this is what's going to be reflected back to me, into my internal state, into my internal voice. So it will not always, it might give me a blip in pleasure, but it's not going to give me that internal stability. It's not going to give me that deep satisfaction within myself. But now if I think about my creator, the one that created me, my heart, my mind, my nafs, uh, my physical body, the one that I uh, that I connect to, to, to Allah, and I think good about Allah, then when I return to my Lord, because Allah is forever, Allah is forever. When I return to my Lord, I will truly be satisfied. Because that's the that's the thoughts that I was having all this time. This was the Iman based, this was the Iman strengthened uh, internal communication that I was having. And that can cause, uh, you could say, such powerful change within a human be- being. It can cause such huge transformation. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you an example of someone who had this strong internal communication. Uh, there was a um, man by the name of Fudel ibn Iyad that lived in our history, and he used to be a uh, highway robber. He used to uh, have a position. He had a territory between these two cities that he would stake out, and he would uh, rob the traveler. Uh, he would, uh, you know, the people who would be traveling between these uh, caravans, you know, things like that. And so uh, he was in love with a particular servant girl and he wanted to go meet her. And so he was climbing up the wall uh, to, uh, you know, f- through the gates of uh, the residence of this uh, particular servant girl. And he heard 
the ayah in the Quran in Surah Al-Hadid, chapter 57, ayah 16 in the Quran, has not the time come for the hearts of those who believe in the oneness of Allah to be affected by the reminder, meaning the Quran, and that which has been revealed of truth. Uh, and so uh, this particular verse uh, affected him because again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking you a question. That's again the power of the Quran. Okay. Uh, it's cause, it's not telling you. Be, remember Allah. This has not the time come for the hearts who believe to be affected by the Quran. Has it not come? My dear brothers and sisters, has it not come? Has that time not come for you to be affected by the ayat of Quran? I'm asking you this. I'm asking myself this. So Al-Fudayla said, Oh my Lord, the time has come. And it hit him. It shocked his system. It shocked his internal voice. And he left and he found some shelter by some ruins near a highway. So he was, you know, uh, hiding there, contemplating there. And some travelers stopped by that area and they had a conversation. They were saying to each other, they said, we know we should move forward. We should get out of here. And, uh, you know, we shouldn't, uh, you know, we should keep, or they, they were saying we should keep going. We should keep going. And the other one said, you know, maybe it might be uh, better uh, for us, um, you know, to wait until morning, just hide and then wait until morning because uh, this is Al-Fudel's territory. Okay. This is, this is where he operates from. He robs people in this area. Okay. And so again, Al-Fudel is reflecting, he's thinking. Think about, these are his thoughts. These, this is this is the intercommunication. This is a process of intercommunication that's happening. And he says to himself, I spent the night in sin and there are some Muslims here who fear me. He says, I think Allah only led me to this spot so that I may take lesson and stop what I am doing. Oh Allah, I have repented. And as part of my tawbah, I will... Uh, Position myself. I will live next next to Al Bayt Al Haram in in Mecca, and he did this. He he fulfilled uh, this vow he made within himself. These thoughts that he made within himself, he fulfilled that. He manifested that within reality. And if you don't do that now, if you don't have this intercommunication with yourself, with yourself now, you're in for a shock on the day of judgment. You're going to be forced to have that communication. Uh, with uh, with yourself on the day of judgment. If you don't say to yourself, this is a hand that's given to me, created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how can this hand be one that disobeys Allah? If you don't ask yourself now this, then think of this ayah in Surah Al-Fusulat, ayah 21, and they will say to their skins, why do you testify against us? They will say Allah has caused us to speak as he causes all things to speak and he created you the first time and to him you are made to return. So if you don't have that conversation with yourself now, these thoughts, this intercommunication now, you will be forced to confront yourself on the day of judgment. Now, I want to end on uh, a Ramadan theme because we're in the month of Ramadan. 
We know it, it's important this month of Ramadan. And we know uh, that be beyond the fasting, there are some major objectives that we're trying to achieve during this month of Ramadan. And one of them we mentioned at the beginning of the month was so that you may become pious, God conscious, okay? We can do a whole inshallah and then we may do that in the future, a whole podcast on what it means to be a muttaqi, a person of taqwa. But another purpose, major purpose, Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 185, Chapter 2, Ayah 185, so that you may become grateful, so that you can be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And now, how are you going to achieve, uh, you know, to become, a, you know, among the shakirin? How are you going to be somebody who is grateful? Well, it's the same uh, mechanisms, uh, the same pathways that we spoke about before. As you're going through this process, you need to have that intercommunication. You're not just fasting and not thinking about it. Why are you? Why would we fast and not think about fasting? Who are we fasting to? Are we thinking about that? Are we thinking about Allah? Why are we fasting? How we are developing uh, this these qualities of being more grateful? So you have to ask yourself those questions. And you have to turn to the Qur'an to also have the Qur'an in, initiate within yourself uh, these thoughts and questions. And so there needs to be this po this powerful intercommunication that takes place to become grateful and guess what the quran sets the environment for you to do that because this is the month of the quran this is the month of increasing your salawat your uh your salah to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala your dhikr your ibadat all this worship that you're doing this is the month that sets the stage for all of that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he tells us, all of this is remembering Allah. All of this should be causing us to remember Allah within ourselves. To have this communication of uh, about thinking about Allah within ourselves. And Allah tells us in Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 152, Therefore remember me, I will remember you, and be grateful to me, and never be ungrateful to me. So, <laughs> this I is perfect in in uh, for us to appreciate that this is the month. How are we going to develop this gratitude? You could ask yourself, how am I going to develop this gratitude? This whole month is designed for us to remember Allah. And guess what? From the hadith that we just thought about, this intercommunication, these thoughts that we're remembering Allah in a positive way. We're thinking about Allah in a positive way. And then Allah will remember us. I am as my servant thinks of me. Uh, when my servant remembers me within himself, I remember him within myself. And so it's like that remembrance is tied with gratitude, with shukr, being grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And ingratitude, uh, as mentioned in this ayah, actually, the, the word that's used to to um, communicate ingratitude is kufr. 
takfurun. Okay, so it's it's kufr is the word that's uh, that that's used here, and ingratitude is uh, associated with uh, in absence of this iman strengthened intercommunication. It's an absence of that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he tells us in Surah Al-Araf, Ayah 144, Allah said, O Musa, I have chosen you above men by my message and by my speaking to you. So hold that which I have given you and be grateful. So he gives the, the message that he gave Musa. He says, what is the message that we are given? We are given the Quran. Hold that which we have been given so that we may be grateful. This Quran, if we are connected to that, we should be in the state of gratitude. We should be uh, people who are grateful to their Lord. We should be uh, of that mindset. Our hearts are grateful to their creator. Our minds are grateful. So when you study something, I remember when I would study uh, you know, some of the subjects we would have, science, biology, chemistry, I would say, subhanAllah, look at the blessing that Allah gave us. Look at this, look at this beauty. When, you, when you're studying the description for, some, for those people who have kufr, when you're studying, uh, you know, biology, science, all of these different things, perhaps it could increase your arrogance rather than your humility and your humbleness and your awe. Increase your awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Instead of increasing your awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, maybe you increase your awe of human beings over your own ego and your own self. Okay. So here Allah is telling Musa alayhi salam, take what we have given so that you may be grateful. And finally, uh, I'll, I'll uh, quote to us this hadith of our Rasul sallallahu when he was asked to him uh, when he would be praying all night and his feet would be swollen and uh, he would be worshipping his Lord. He would be worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why do you do this when Allah has forgiven your past and future sins? Rasul said, shall I not be a grateful servant? So the Messenger of Allah his outer body is suffering and a person who is viewing him from the outside looking in is in wonderment. Why are you putting yourself through this suffering? Why are you worshipping your Lord all night? Because this is not the faraid, by the way. This is not talking about the five daily salawat. This is not talking about hajj. This is not talking about summer Ramadan. This is not talking about zakat, you know, giving alms. It's not talking about any of these things. He is putting himself, uh, his body, through such physical tribulation, uh, he's putting it through such an ordeal, and a person from the outside looks at wonderment at Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi but they have no idea what's going on inside the heart of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Imagine the thoughts, the absolute positive thoughts that he has about his creator. And that led him to this powerful emotion 
this powerful alignment between his mind and his heart and his nafs of being grateful to his creator, Azza wa Jal. And so this powerful intercommunication within himself, this powerful iman strength and intercommunication overshadows, overcomes any physical adversity that he would face, gives him the, this, this himma, to this will to face anything because it's just so powerful this this intercommunication that that he has had within himself he is so grateful to allah that even though he doesn't need to he does it uh just naturally he does it unabashedly unreservedly he worships and is grateful to his lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's gratitude. That's gratitude. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to take a Rasul sallallahu that we are able to take the Messenger of Allah as an example. And we follow him down that path and maybe we can emulate. We can try hard to show at least a flicker, a semblance of that type of gratitude. Inshallah ta'ala, we ask Allah to be different, better than when we started Ramadan. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us amongst the muttaqeen. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make, some, make us amongst those who are grateful, make us amongst the shakirin. And uh, we will um, see you all inshallah next Thursday. So this weekend, uh, because of Eid, the end of Ramadan, uh, we won't have a podcast this Saturday, but we will have one. Uh, we'll get back next uh, week, next Thursday, inshallah. And uh, we'll be back uh, better than ever. We have a, a special guest lined up for us as well on the Saturday following. So uh, be on the lookout for that announcement. Uh, so uh, brothers and sisters, there are a few moments left in Ramadan. There are only a few moments left in our life. Make dua, turn to Allah in sincere repentance. Uh, do what you can. The Messenger of Allah used to tighten his waistband, roll up his sleeves, and go hard in the paint when it came during the last days of Ramadan. So let's go hard in the paint in these last days. And we ask Allah SWT to accept from us. And as always, live by the haq, die by the haq. Just when you think things are stuck, tune in to Life Haq. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Do I feel that the New York police are providing enough protection or do I have to have protection of my own? I look for protection from Allah.